Yeah, and welcome inside a Friday edition of the program. If you needed a reminder, we are still in winter. Well, I guess you got it today. It's a little snowy out there. Hope you're enjoying your Friday. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, We'll dive into a lot of basketball. Rob Fisher, our analyst on high school broadcast. We don't have a game tonight, but we do tomorrow night at Wapahani High School. Should be great. Uh, Wapahani in Yorktown. Rob Fisher, myself, will be on the call. We'll preview a little bit of that matchup coming up tomorrow night. And again, we're still tracking what could be history at the end of the regular season uh, coming up on Friday because Isaac Andrews in the chase for the Ron Bonham record, and it looks like uh, from the tracking, it's getting close, getting very close, and so we'll talk a little bit about that coming up as well. Uh, Coach's Corner show tomorrow morning. Rob Fisher will be a part of that, so will I. David Wilburn, the head coach of uh, Delta Baseball, will be there. So will the entirety of the boys' basketball team for Muncie Central, which, by the way, their game tonight against McCutcheon has been postponed. Looks like that game will occur on Tuesday of next week. So a free night for the Muncie Central Bearcats there. A um, little bit of uh, 20 minutes from now, we'll be joined by George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin. Look, I'll tell you this. Um, the the offseason is going to be long. We've already talked a little bit about that. Um, the the Indianapolis Colts offseason kind of starts right now, but really over the th- this three, four, five-week period is when a lot of re-signings will happen. And I think there's a couple of guys that you certainly want to see locked up before regular free agency begins. One of those is Michael Pittman Jr. One of those is Grover Stewart and Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman. And you have a... Uh, a lot of core players for this football team. I, I don't know if you would elevate Michael Pittman Jr. to star level, but he's a very important big-time piece player. So you would obviously like to get something done uh, before uh, free agency hits. You do have the franchise tag at your disposal as well. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out with that because, again, The franchise tag has been so devalued from the standpoint that there are players that say if they're tagged, they're not playing. And I don't know if they're they're, they're, um, saying that just to say that or if they're actually going to uh, play along with that method of action. So uh, we'll dive into all those specifics with George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin and uh, the biggest takeaways of what he saw last Sunday as well. I think there's a lot going on there. Uh, NBA All-Star Week. Uh, There's a lot going on in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, One of our uh, play-by-play guys slash uh, fill-in hosts on this program, Jared Boomer, he was down there. Saw some pictures where, uh, you know, the NBA NBA on TNT set was right smack dab in the middle of it. Looks like a great time. And uh, so uh, I I imagine the viewership for those events this weekend, even if you're not going, will be very high in the state of Indiana. There's There's a large amount of people that are excited about the fact it's here. And so if you're going down there tomorrow or going down there Sunday, enjoy yourself because uh, this is truly great. And, you know, I I love the quote that Pat Boylan from the Pacers Radio Network had yesterday. And Adam Silver, in a similar interview, uh, the commissioner of the NBA, um, said this phrase that Indianapolis, uh, central Indiana, punches above its weight class when it comes to large events. 
I couldn't think of a better way to describe it than that right there. They just flat out do it well. Now, the layout of Central Indiana certainly is conducive to, um, obviously, accessibility. And But I explained it this morning on Delaware County Today with Steve Lindell. I don't think people understand this. Um, and I have a little bit of background info uh, in this specifically because um, I cover uh, to, you know a lot of events for the IHSA uh, in their state championship coverage, and it's kind of interesting to look at those venues when you're play- when you're putting events on like those compared to the normal Pacers and Colts standpoint because they very much differ. They do, but. The forethought of the Central Indiana and big events that come to downtown Indianapolis. Oh, by the way, how about, you know, uh, college football games when Ball State's played down there? How about, uh, you know, when Ball State's played at Gamebridge Fieldhouse and those sorts of things? That these are truly multi-purpose venues. They are. You know, there's going to be uh, the NCAA tournament at Lucas Oil Stadium. There's going to be the swimming Olympic trials at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, I know they've held those things at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Conseco before that. They are truly multi-purpose venues. And I'll tell you this, that isn't always the case. And to have the idea creation to do that is smart from a Central Indiana standpoint because they have the one thing that most of these big big events want, um, that it is very, very compact, that it's easy to get to, that there's accessibility for fans that are not just going to the specific events, but to be a part of all of the festivities around it. That's why Indianapolis got a Super Bowl. That's why they've gotten the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, That's why they've had the Big Ten Championships. That's why they have the NCAA Tournament Regional matchups a lot, because it's just that. And so um, this isn't just like, oh, hey, Indiana was on the list of, I guess we got to give them an NBA All-Star Game now. They bid for this a long time ago. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that – uh, Lucas Oil Stadium and Gamebridge Fieldhouse are two very unique uh, venues to be able to do this. And the fact that, you know, you don't just have one of those venues, you have two of them. Now, Lucas Oil is being utilized for tomorrow night due to the fact that uh, the seating capacity for what is such an Im- important night for the NBA with the skills competition, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest. But I want to make that very clear that – The reason Indiana got this, and, you know, I say downtown Indianapolis, but really the entire state has kind of supported all of this. And, um, you know, Adam Silver had comments about the connectivity of this state to kind of pull something like this off. But it's not like they were just in the rotation. The, 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 downtown Indianapolis wasn't in the rotation for the Super Bowl. It wasn't just the fact that they built a new stadium and, oh, by the way, you get a Super Bowl with it. it. It's not a package deal. You have to have a pretty good plan with it. And I'll tell you this, the Indiana Sports Corp does a fantastic job with all of it. So I hope those of you that have a chance to go um, will, will, will take part in it because there's a lot of things happening as it relates to all of that. So um, lots of things happening. 
Uh, lots of things happening. We're going to talk football and basketball. We're going to break down a little bit of Ball State basketball coming up here in a matter of moments. 765-287-1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter. Hope you and yours are safe out there. Uh, snow continues to come down again. Only one cancellation or postponement, that is, uh, for events happening tonight, and that is the Muncie Central Boys basketball team who is scheduled to go up to Lafayette yet at McCutcheon. Uh, that game has been postponed and will be played on Tuesday of next week. JV game starting at 5. Varsity will be tipping at 6.30. So a change to the schedule there. An off night for the Muncie Central boys basketball team. All right. Let's talk a little bit of Ball State. Uh, it's uh, been a little hiatus for the men's and women's team. They'll both be in action coming up tomorrow. Uh, Ball State men's basketball against Miami. Uh, the tip time around 3.30. You can hear all the coverage right here on the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. This kind of hit me um, yesterday as we've been talking about, you know, when the break has come for this team and the fact that it came right after the road trip you had to uh, Texas State. Uh, Bowl State is now 4-7 uh, and seven in conference play, and every game is over these last seven in Mid-American Conference play is vital, um, absolutely vital. You know, it's almost not uh you know not accurate to really say hey you need to go uh four and three you need to go five and two because the fact of the matter is you have to take care of what you need to take care of but you also need a little bit of help as well and now if you beat some of these teams in your path and you have a really good stretch here it will kind of take care of itself in a lot of ways but you know the 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 buzzword consistency and uh, fact of the matter the word inconsistency has been thrown out a lot and the inconsistency as you look at all of the different things that have happened um, in conference play it's been about closing games as we've mentioned several times this week there's only been one game in conference play you've lost by double figures um, you know, the losses to uh, the loss to Kent State was a 13 point loss since that point, a six point loss to Central Michigan, a four point loss to Akron, a five point loss to Toledo, seven point loss in overtime to Miami of Ohio, nine to Bowling Green, uh, four to Ohio in overtime. And there you have it with your conference play schedule. Now, what's been interesting about it all, and obviously, you know, you can't really prep for every single exact situation at the end of games, is this you've lost these games in a variety of ways. You know, um, I, I think Kent State just kind of got off to a great start on you. Central Michigan, you were tied down the stretch. Central Michigan made plays at the end. Akron had a three-point barrage to kind of jump in front in the later moments. Couldn't execute down the stretch. Ball State had a lead late against Toledo. They couldn't close it out. Miami of Ohio, you were one defensive play away from winning that game you know uh, Miami of Ohio player makes a ridiculous shot and there you have it tied with Bowling Green down the stretch <laughs> um, you know Ohio goes into overtime um, you know in, in a shot by Jalen Anderson that nearly went in and that's kind of it so there's been a lot of different circumstances as to how things have happened at the end of the games so there's not like one common theme like not getting to the free throw line enough. Hey, you know, playing not to lose. Uh, there's been so many different situations uh, of closing games. 
and you know the hiatus the little bit of a break and now you face a lot of these teams for the second time every single one of these matchups um you know Miami of Ohio Northern Illinois Eastern Michigan Central Western Kent State and Bowling Green will be the second matchups of these uh, of these deals is you know it, it, it's hard to beat a team twice but you have a little bit more familiarity I get the sense on this though that it's way more about Bowl State than it is about their opponent when they go into these games. I think you should have the confidence knowing that going in, if you execute well early on and throughout the game, you're going to have an opportunity at the end because obviously, as we just mentioned, every single one of these matchups has come down to those moments. And, you know, what's really interesting is the wins you've had have all been by double figures you won by 14 on the road against eastern michigan uh you won by 28 against buffalo won by 10 versus northern illinois and won by 10 at western michigan it's it's kind of wacky when you stack all those things up together that the losses have been the close ones and three of your four wins have been on the road and they've been by double figures i mean really some of these games haven't even really been close buffalo was never close Western Michigan, you had a lead from start to finish in that game. Um, you know, Northern Illinois, you controlled the pace for pretty much the entirety of the game, except for a few moments here and there. It's It's been a strange Mid-American Conference schedule. I don't need to tell you that. But there is good stretches of basketball here. And, you know, you got to keep coming back to that feeling as though it's there. Do you have enough time to put together that consistency, to break up the inconsistency. Uh, do you have enough time? And I think, you know, obviously over these next couple of weeks, we'll find out. Uh, the results will do a lot of the talking for it. So uh, you have back-to-back road games in a three-day span at Miami of Ohio, at Northern Illinois. So you have uh, both of those coming up. And then you finish the regular season with three of five at home. And, um, you know, they will get advantageous there. But right now, Ball State is at four and seven in conference play. They're one game out of uh, a Mid-American Conference tournament spot. And that's why we talk about the emphasis of what's going on here is right now, Ball State would be out of the Mid-American Conference tournament picture. But look at the teams above them. Western Michigan, Miami of Ohio, Kent State, Ohio, uh, Ohio, Bowling Green. You have matchups against each and every one of those teams, and you do not see the top two teams in the Mid-American Conference again in the regular season. So they're all against teams at 8-3 uh, and three or worse, which it's been pretty balanced across the board in the Mid-American Conference, so it's going to be as tough for the teams you're playing as it is for you. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the pressure is kind of in some of those situations on those teams, believe it or not. So, uh, to kind of stack it up that way, that's kind of the way you play it out. Look, Miami of Ohio is a very talented team. They're uh, a fairly experienced team. This was a game that went to overtime at Worthen Arena, and, you know, when, you, when, when uh, you know, uh, Darwishi Hunter hits the big-time shot to tie the game, and you go to overtime, it just kind of felt like you got the air taken out of the sails a little bit. Uh, but that was a competitive game that Ball State felt they had uh, had at the end. 
Hunter hits the big shot, ties the game, and it goes to overtime, and they execute better in the final moments. But uh, Miami of Ohio hasn't exactly been the mark of consistency either. Uh, When they beat Bowl State, they went on a little bit of a run, but they've lost their last three. At Ohio versus Northern Illinois, and they lost by 20 against Georgia State. Northern Illinois is at the uh, is is near the bottom of the conference right now, and um, you know Miami of Ohio couldn't handle them with Northern Illinois at Miami of Ohio. So if that tells you anything about this conference, again, it might just come down to who you are at the end of the day. And, you know, that sounds so cliche. It's like, oh, yeah, well, duh, uh, you better focus on yourself. But at the end of the day, sometimes you got to look at yourself in the mirror that way. <laughs> it's, it sounds so cliche, but it, it, it's, it's what it ultimately ends up being. So, you know, for Miami of Ohio, this means big dividends because, you know, they're teetering on the edge of the Mid-American Conference Tournament, too. You know, this is the difference between two teams being at 5-7 and seven if Ball State were to win this game tomorrow and Miami of Ohio taking a jump up to 6-6 six and six and squarely in the middle of the Mid-American Conference Tournament picture and Ball State is one game further down. The, it's This is a big game. I mean, this is a massive game for both teams because you could very well see if Ball State were to win that game tomorrow, Miami of Ohio could be in Ball State's position by the end of the day tomorrow. It is, uh, have I told you welcome to the Mid-American Conference? That's kind of what it is, folks. So, again, it'll be a 3.30 tip from Ohio, as uh, Ball State has Miami of Ohio on the men's basketball side. And then uh, for Ball State women's basketball, a matchup with Ohio um, on the road. Both teams on the road tomorrow. Um, the women's basketball team, again, at the top of the Mid-American Conference right now, uh, they had a big-time bounce-back win um, after they uh, took care of their second round of the Sun Belt Mid-American Conference Challenge. Uh, they beat James Madison by 15 points at Worthen Arena. So, Ball State and Toledo are tied at the top right now. Now, Ball State would have that edge due to that head-to-head. Uh, the matchup with Toledo the second time comes up next weekend on Saturday. Saturday as Ball State would travel to Toledo. Uh, but again, they are the team that everybody's looking up at. Uh, Ball State still receiving votes in the coaches' poll. Again, that's, you know, part of it. But, you know, um, trying to figure out uh, that Northern Illinois game. But the fact of the matter is, you got to move on. Ohio is a team at four and seven. Again, Northern Illinois was a team at four and seven in conference play. And you know what happened about a week ago uh, this time? Uh, Ball State fell to Northern Illinois. So, um, again, um, I think at this point, you don't take anybody lightly. And they got back to a little bit of themselves against James Madison. There's no question about it. So, uh, you know, Ball State women's basketball getting back out there, and they have the sprint of seven games to the finish as well. Toledo is right there with you. So you got to keep winning. It's not all about that head-to-head matchup that you have next weekend. You got to keep doing your part to put yourself in that position. And oh, by the way, Kent State is your second-to-last game of the season. Kent State's at nine and two right now. So they're they're just waiting for Toledo or Ball State to lose to kind of get into that picture of being the top seed, being the regular season champ. That's not out of the picture either. So there's a ton to still play for. I mean, a massive amount to still play for in the 
Mid-American Conference. So thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. By the way, big time day tomorrow. Uh, we'll have both Ball State women's basketball and men's basketball on the air tomorrow here. And, uh, of course, high school basketball a little bit later in the evening as well. So a full day of basketball coverage right here on the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. So might feel like it's early, but it's not. The NFL offseason is officially here. So the biggest questions that fans should have about the Colts offseason and the timeline of when some of these things get done. We will ask George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin all about that when we return. It's a Friday edition of The Power. Thanks for listening to the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Presented always by Walls Furniture and Mattress, Nebo Road right here in Muncie, online at wallsfurniture.com. You know the drill, 90% of what's on the showroom floor in stock for you, 48 hours or less. That's the Walls Furniture and Mattress difference. New trends and styles coming in daily. That's the Walls Furniture and Mattress difference on Nebo Road right here in Muncie and online at wallsfurniture.com. Look, I get it. The Super Bowl ends. You shift your focus to basketball. But, hey, here's the deal. The offseason is just beginning, and the questions are plenty for the Indianapolis Colts. Glad to be joined by George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin. Are you um, excited for the offseason or excited for the different checkpoints like, you know, free agency, draft, um, re-signing? Like, there's certain checkpoints that you probably get excited for, but then the in-between is kind of like, all right, can we move on to the next checkpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think that's every offseason. I, I think I'm excited this year because it's a little bit more normal. You know, you don't have all the, the, the insanity of the last few years. There's no quarterback search. So I haven't spent the last few weeks trying to figure out which free agents are available and how they could maybe find somebody in the draft. And it's also nice to go into the draft and have more than one position on your mind. And last year, uh, so much focus, obviously, with that number four pick on the quarterback and whether they would trade up and all the other things. And now it's like – uh, it's more fun to just look at the draft as a whole and, you know, not have to be pigeonholed into one or two really huge things. I think that's the most exciting thing about this offseason so far. Um, you know, and I know we get in these conversations a lot, and I kind of previewed the fact that we were going to talk uh, a lot about the re-signing of players in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. – um, <laughs> Would you qualify Michael Pittman Jr. as a star? It sounds like a very dumb question, but I had a couple people that wanted me to ask, like, does he qualify to the level of, you know, uh, the the DeForest Buckners, Quentin Nelsons, and I would put Jonathan Taylor there? I think with what the Colts ask him to do, the, the role that he fills, he is for this team, and I think that's what matters most. I mean, you can look around the league, and, you know, I don't know how many of the other 31 teams – would use him the same way, and you know maybe some of that would be more effective, some of it would be less effective. But the fact that they have him doing so many different things—I mean, Gardner Minshew mentioned after the season at times he's almost a tight end out there, the, the way they right. use him, and that he's still able to—you know—he's in there, he's blocking, uh, he's he's a big part of the run game. He's still able to go out and catch a hundred balls and go over a thousand yards. There aren't too many guys. It, it's it feels like I'm downgrading him here, so I, I, I hate to even make this comparison, but what comes to mind immediately is Jack Doyle. You know, Jack Doyle wasn't 
necessarily the best tight end in, in the NFL all around. He wasn't Travis Kelsey, you know. But what he did for the Colts was so important. And you've seen still to this day they're still trying to find a way to fully replace him. I think Pittman is, is that same kind of player for them at wide receiver where his unique role and his skill set is just so incredibly important to this team that he's more important than he is to the Colts than he might be to, to any other team in the league. Well, and, and that's the reason I asked that question, and that's that description is almost exactly how I would describe it as well, that you know Pittman's probably the highest level free agent you have, and especially at a, at a position of need and a position of urgency for certain for this team. And... You know, while maybe the headlines of this offseason of resigning your own with Michael Pittman Jr. and Grover Stewart and Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman, these are names fans know. But this could be a very important offseason with re-signing your own because, really, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they've got two to three level star players, but it's a lot about their core players as well. I know that's an easy comparison to make of the best team in the NFL right now, but when we mention some of these names, George, the the core of this team, you got to make a lot of decisions on the core of this team moving forward with your own. Yeah, and I think that's one of the interesting things about this offseason because, you know, for years you had that defined core, but they've been in transition now for a little while, and now you feel like you're going into – well, you don't feel like it. You're definitely going into the Shane Steichen era. You're going into the Anthony Richardson era. And who do they want the core to be now? That's going to change a little bit, you know. Guys like Kenny Moore and Grover Stewart and next year Ryan Kelly, they're on that older end, you know, by NFL terms. They're young men. But by NFL terms, they're on that older end. You know, are they still guys you want to be in this core? Or do they need to be replaced and have a different group around there? I think they're at that weird transition period as a franchise right now where there's a lot of guys who were part of this core who are going to be moving on. Uh, and there's, you know, you, you kind of have to identify who is that new group. And I think Pittman absolutely is there. They have to decide if Julian Blackman's one of those guys. And they have to decide if Kenny Moore and, and Grover Stewart are going to continue to be those guys. I think that's where the, the you're talking about you know the checkpoints along the way. I think that's the first big phase is them internally saying, okay, these are the guys going forward. We want to be in this group. These are the guys we're going to build around. And then going on to outside free agency and the draft, and you know, it's 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 hugely important moving forward because like you talked about. That core group, once you've decided whatever it is, different for every team, six to eight guys, 10 to 12 guys, whatever that group is, that really dictates every other move you make because you're building around them. And I do feel like that core is changing a little bit right now. It's George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin covers the Colts. Kind of extending that perspective right there, George. Um, you know, I wonder what's more di- – well, I'll give my opinion on this. I think it's way harder. I I think it's not incredibly difficult. It's impressive when you rise out of the bottom of the league to get to where the Colts are right now. Let's not not put that away that that is any small feat, even with the schedule that they had this year, all of that being qualified. The hardest part is getting from where the Colts are at the top of the Tier B, which is the, the teams that just missed the playoffs, and making the decisions in your core to consistently be a part of the playoff mix. And the decisions you make in this 
either can get you to the middle of the road or the bottom, or it could just very well say, hey, you made all the right decisions in bringing back your core that you were able to elevate up to the top, and that also goes with developing your quarterback and all those different things. Do you look at this offseason in the decision-making process kind of in that regard? Well, absolutely. I mean, this is the hardest – to me, this is the hardest stretch you have in, in team building. Like you said, it's no little feat. What the Colts did this year, what the Texans did this year, going from, you know, being at the top of the draft board to, in the Texans' case, making the playoffs, and then the, and the Colts' case, you know, just falling short of that, um, that's no small thing at all. You know, to, to, to do that is huge. But these next few steps, going from – being kind of on the playoff fringe to being able to win in the playoffs and then going from being able to win in the playoffs to being able to win championships are really the the biggest jumps you make. And all you got to do is look at Jacksonville last year. They had that great rally. You know, they went from out of contention to being uh, a division champion and and winning a playoff game. and, And they're ready to take that next step this year. And it couldn't do it. You know, they end up taking a step back. And, and I think that every team in the league kind of faces that point. Once you get into that middle ground, you know, where you're maybe a playoff team, maybe just out, getting from there to being a true championship contender is a really tough leap to make. And it, there are a lot of hard decisions that have to be made. And I think every choice this offseason, whether it's re-signing somebody, whether it's an outside free agent, whatever they do with the draft, has got to be viewed through that prism. George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin with us. Um, Let's talk Michael Pittman Jr. Um, The franchise tag available and long-term available. You know, the timing of how this has been done by Chris Ballard in the past. Will they even let Michael Pittman Jr. get to free agency, or would you imagine whatever decisions made will happen before that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Pittman talked about wanting to look around a little bit. Uh, and wanting to see what's out there and not rushing into anything. But that's not obviously entirely in his control. He does seem like a guy who's happy here and and wants to stay here, but he also wants to to get his value. I mean, I don't know any player in the league that that, that's not their number one concern. It it absolutely should be. Uh, And he's at that point where this is probably the most important contract for him. You know, from you sign a four-, five-, six-year deal now, and after this, you're not going to be at your peak. You know, this is probably the one that that is the biggest contract of your career. So you want to make sure that, that you're doing everything you can to maximize that. And I think the Colts, understanding where the receiver market is, I think the franchise tag is a real possibility here uh, because, of, you know, you don't really want to let him get out the door on you. You can do the franchise tag. They can still get some ideas, you know, as agent of, of what's out there. Uh, and that can help you shape your own long-term deal. But I think it's dangerous if the Colts let him actually hit that market. You know, you get to the, the tampering period, as they call it, the legal tampering period. If he gets there, he hasn't. He would have to have been tagged before that. If he gets there and he's not tagged and he's, you know, able to negotiate with, with any team, I think that would be a very dangerous situation for Indianapolis to be in. 
Is it one of those things as we kind of watch this process that, again, he's at a a position of high, high, high value right now that if he's not going to be happy here and he wants that long-term deal and he does all the – which I don't know if he's this type of guy to do uh, maybe what Jonathan Taylor kind of did, to maybe try to push his way for a longer-term deal. Um, Is it in the cards for the Colts? Tag him, trade him, and get value for him. Yeah, I mean, you never, you can never say never in this league, and I think that that's always, you know, a, a potential outcome. I think the goal, if they do tag him, will be to work on the long-term deal. It'll just be give yourself that that extra couple months to negotiate and know that worst-case scenario, he's going to play for a year. He mentioned that after the season when, when we talked to him. Uh, you know, in, in the media room that if he got tagged, it's not something he's necessarily looking forward to. It's not what he's rooting for. But, you know, he said, look, it, it's $23 million deal. You're not going to be upset with that. And you still have the opportunity to work out a long-term deal. So I think it could get messy if they tag him and then there's just no more negotiations. But I think if he is hit with the tag, the, the, the goal on both sides would be, okay, now that that's done, let's work out a deal, a long-term deal before the deadline and, you know, lock him up here for, for the foreseeable future. Okay, if you were setting the rest of this free agency class and as we were talking about the core and identifying this core, who is the player that you can absolutely not let go at all? And the way that, that Ballard was talking about the safety position and, and the way he was talking about the leaps that Julian Blackman made, I, I really think he's going to be a priority just from all the talk around around the team right now. I mean, his, his communication on the back end, his leadership on the back end, and really since he moved that strong safety spot this year, you've really seen him come up with his physicality uh, in, in addition to his ball skills. I think he's a guy they really feel – is very important, you know, to to what they want to do moving forward in, in Gus Bradley's scheme. Grover Stewart will be an interesting one because he is now 30, uh, and that's something that there's, there's very few 30-year-olds on this roster. Uh, but at the same time, you saw the difference when he wasn't in there in, in the run defense. And so, you know, he's, he's been that great tag team partner for DeForest Buckner. I think that's a situation where ideally you get maybe a one to to three-year deal done with him and draft somebody who can kind of grow into that role behind him during that period. And Kenny Moore is another one that's going to be extremely interesting because we know how important he's been to this defense over his time here. Uh, He had a great year, great bounce back year this year. He really likes Indy. He's made it clear he wants to stay here. But it's no secret that that nickelback role is different under Gus Bradley than it was under Matt Eberflus. And it'll be interesting to see how much of a priority they put on that position uh, this year. You know, we'll get a really good indication by how they handle the Kenny Moore negotiations. It's only the beginning, George. Uh, I say that as a little bit excited, but also <laughs> there's going to be some redundancy, as we know, this time of the year. Uh, and it's so many twists and turns and things you can't expect. I mean, at this time last year, we were not expecting the Jonathan Taylor situation to blow up the way it did. Right. So you have no idea what, what you know what's coming around the next turn. It's George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin. We'll be all over it, and we'll talk to him weekly as the uh, Colts offseason. We're kind of through the first week of it um, here on this Friday. Thanks, George. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. No problem. You too, man. That's uh, George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin. 
with us. Uh, Ball State Baseball, first win of the year. That's awesome. We'll uh, talk about that when we return. Brunch in part by State Farm agent Jason May. Make sure you get all the discounts you deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. Glad you're with us on the show. As always, wanted to update you on this. Uh, just saw this from Westdale Athletics. Their matchup with Blue River has been postponed tonight, obviously due to weather. Um, that's the second such game that we've seen postponed. The other, Muncie Central versus McCutcheon in boys basketball. Um, everything else, as far as we see it right now, is still on for this evening. Check uh, uh, your local schools wherever uh, you might be headed tonight for matchups just to confirm that those those are indeed still on for this evening. Uh, nice start for Ball State Baseball. They get the 8-4 win over Lehigh um, and, uh, you know, started pretty strongly. Um, it was, uh, um, you know, uh, kind of early on, Ball State got off to a lead and just kind of kept building off of it. Uh, had a 6-2 to lead uh, in the bottom of the fifth and continued to kind of push that forward as uh, they uh, they led 8-4. to four. Uh, There were a couple roadblocks that they had to overcome kind of late in that game, but overall, a nice start for Ball State baseball. Again, they're, they're down in South Carolina uh, for the first series. I mean, come on now. Uh, they've Seems like they left Muncie at the perfect time to get some rays of sunshine down there to play uh, play some good good baseball. But man, um, when you have so much anticipation for that first matchup and you go out there and you win, that is quite a feeling. That 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 is some really really good stuff. So uh, good on them uh, to uh, to get win number one. Um, they'll be back in action for two matchups tomorrow, one on Sunday as well as Ball State continues. Uh, you know, uh, starting their season. Man, getting win number one is awesome. I mean, that is just flat-out awesome. It's a good feeling. It really, really is from an anticipation standpoint. But um, we know how difficult the non-conference schedule is for Ball State, and obviously that's a big part of uh, getting this all done uh, as they uh, get win number one of the season over Lehigh, the final, 8-4 to four down in Charleston, South Carolina. All right, when we come back, we'll talk some high school basketball with Rob Fisher. The sectional pairings will be announced coming up Sunday what to look out for. We'll talk about that when we return on The Power. Final segment of a Friday show after this. Yes, final segment of the show on a Friday. Here we go. What a week. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN, brought to you by Sheriff Gosselin. Roofing, your roof is there to protect your family. Make sure you're doing all you can to protect them. Sheriff Gosselin Roofing has been helping families for generations. Remember to call Pete Dahlia or look them up at worryfreeroof.com. Well, here comes Rob Fisher. Rob Fisher, our analyst on high school broadcasts. Yes, he's with us. Um, I don't know if you feel this way, Rob, but this all started back in mid-August for our high school sports season. We are going into the last week and a half of the regular season, and it is sectional basketball. Like, what the heck happened? Where'd time go? I know. I, Rick and I were talking about that on the air the other night. You know, there are, there's a couple of weeks where it seems like it's really dragging, and then all of a sudden you turn around just like you said, and oh, here we are today, and we're almost through the, the complete basketball season. It has, you know, when you look at it, it's gone really fast, and it's been a, a whole lot of fun too. Yeah, no question. Uh, 
No question about that. Uh, Rob, uh, before we talk a little sectional matchups, Isaac Andrews and the chase is on. Three games to yep. go in the regular season, and it looks possible that it could happen next Friday against Shenandoah. Um, how's that look? Well, you know, that's certainly what we're hoping. If this, if this is going to happen, you want it to happen at home in front of his home crowd, you know, and it, it'd be uh, kind of maybe similar to what we watched last night with Caitlin Clark and doing right. breaking that record in front of her home crowd. You know, he's he's the hometown hero for the last four years, and it'd only be fitting that – that he's able to do it in uh, in Selma in front of that home crowd, um, but he's there. He's he's right close. He's Is 18 it, it, away from setting the school record. He's about what 58 points now to 2,000. Okay. So that may happen this weekend if he has a couple of good games, and then 87 away from breaking the all-time record. Eight, 87. Okay. I I I couldn't remember if it was 85 or 87. I think I did the math on that. It would be uh, kind of right at his average of 26, 27 points per, per game, something like that. Yep. Something. Yep. You're right there on it. But. Like I said, boy, it, it just has to happen in front of the home crowd. It just has to. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as, as we talk about this and as we prefaced every conversation we've had about Isaac, it, it, it's never he's never going to make it about himself. And so that's why, oh, again, I think it'll be interesting to watch because, again, we, we just never see him force things. And, and, you know, he doesn't have to. He's got great teammates around him, and they've had a great year. But, uh, man, uh, it'll be fun to watch what happens this weekend um, and, and, and maybe some history happening around here yeah and you know like you hit it you know right on the head and it's the way he's handled himself through this whole thing um and it's he's all about winning and you know i'm sure he's going to tell you that we've got a conference to finish out to win and certainly a, a sectional championship and beyond hopefully so that's what he's all about but it's just the way he handled himself that's so impressive um, Rob, as you look at the sectional pairings, and again, I think we all know kind of uh, the, the sectional um, drawings that will be uh, very interesting, but um, I once again, maybe for a second straight year, I, I think we're going to have multiple sectional champions again this year. That's my prediction. Your thoughts? I do too. I, I really think that, um, you know, to me, there's no question. Um, 3A sectional at Newcastle, the best two teams are Delta and Yorktown. Um, as long as they don't play each other right away, I right. hope maybe they, they get in those in the opposite bracket and possibly play each other in the championship game will be a classic. But I think there's no question in my mind that, that they're the two best teams over there. Um, the 2A sectional with Wapahani, you got to feel like they're the, a pretty strong favorite, although Lapel's right there looming. I think they're like 15 and five right now, and they've got the Judge twins yeah. that uh, we've watched for a couple of years. So that's a threat. But you got to feel Wapahani's the favorite. And then you look at the 1A sectional, and right now Daleville's got the best record uh, in that 1A sectional at 12. And, I think they're 12 and seven right now. Um, but of course, Liberty Christian's always been the the heavyweight over there. Like they're 11 and nine, but their schedule's pretty brutal as well. But um, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. I, I think we'll we could very well have two winners this year. Yeah, maybe, maybe even maybe three. three. Yeah, and, and it'll yeah. be fun to kind of because for for a lot of years here. Rob, it's been a lot of, um, you know, challengers. Like, they've been in the mix. Maybe not the, the front-running type of deal. Like, even last year with Delta winning that sectional, it wasn't exactly like Delta was the uh, heavy, heavy favorite. Right. So, um, it'll be interesting kind of covering it from that angle this year. No question about it. You know, and we'd love to 
you know, uh, we don't want to leave Muncie Central out. We want to, would certainly hope that they would be, you know, be able to put two or three games together and make a nice run. But that uh, it's no secret that 4A sectional that they're going to, and I think it's at Greenfield this year, yeah. is just a juggernaut of <laughs> 17 wins, 17 wins, 19 wins. Greenfield right. is 20 now. Um, but yeah, I, you know, getting back to the others, I, I really think, you know, two's a good possibility, maybe three. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Rob and I have Wapahani in Yorktown tomorrow night. He's also with us at the Coaches Show tomorrow morning at Mulligan's Clubhouse Grill and Crestview Golf Club. So much going on this time of the year in high school basketball. And the pairings for the uh, IHSA Boys Basketball State Tournament released right here on the air on Sunday. Rob, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Thanks for the time. Sounds good, buddy. See you in the morning. That's uh, Rob Fisher with us, as always fantastic uh at what he does so uh we're gearing up for a couple of busy weeks right here on wmun uh with uh, the sectional and then uh, right after that potential mid-american conference tournaments for uh the women's and the men's side there's so much going on so big thanks to george bremer from the herald bulletin a big thanks to rob fisher and to all of you for joining us all week we're gonna do it all again on monday four o'clock have a great weekend we'll talk to you then